Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 104th episode of the Truth Island podcast. In light of the events that occurred on January 6th, in which a group of protesters stormed the Capitol for several hours, a question that isn't being adequately addressed anywhere in our popular discourse is how exactly did we get here? It is extremely easy to blame one person or one group of people as being the enemy or the real culprits behind America's discord. However, what if the true enemy remains within each and every one of us? For the past five months, the Truth Island podcast has sought to reconcile and unpack complicated truths about our present day reality. While my guest and I don't always agree on everything being discussed, the discourse on this program has never left the boundaries of being civil. No, my guest and I are not endowed with magical powers, but rather we cherish the cultivated and curious mind. We attempt to fully understand the opposing person's point of view, make concessions, and sometimes even change our minds mid-course. This does not make the people on this program weak, but rather strong, as the chains of old ideas are instantly discarded in exchange for the keys of rational thought. We are all capable of being better than we currently are, smarter, healthier, more understanding, just, and most importantly, moral. The decline of our culture is America's greatest skeleton in the closet. On both sides of the political aisle, only the most feverish and incendiary rhetoric is allowed to flourish, while intellectuals who ask complicated questions and come up with complicated answers are largely ignored. We desperately want to be entertained in five minutes or less. We actively crave emotion, drama, fanaticism, lunacy, and entertain the most wild and extreme of positions. While the media certainly has had a hand in making this worse, the fault undoubtedly lies within each and every one of us. For you see, people are often motivated by that which will bring them acclaim, power, and adulation, all of which we control. There is no one that is forcing us to watch radical YouTube videos and give these videos millions of views. There is no one stopping us from reading books or listening to a podcast delivered by an MIT professor. If we as a people can learn to expect more from ourselves, then the media will take the hint and begin giving us what we want. There are a few things in life which we know for sure. But one thing that never changes is our capacity for change. Joining me to help get people to start listening to the philosopher kings of this world, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, I know for the past six months, I certainly have changed. Don't you think that we're all capable of becoming better versions of ourselves? Uh, Absolutely, I do. I think it is very possible, and I think that it is also incredibly difficult. 
And um, I think human beings, we love those things that are easy and we shun those things that are hard. So yes, it's very possible, but we, I don't think we're, we want it because of the, you know, it's a path with many, many, uh, many challenges. I, I, I think that the word challenges and I think the word hard is what's deterring people. But I think before we even get to how hard the road is, I think it requires us, you know, as a people to be fundamentally honest with ourselves. And I, I think that most people that I speak to and, and most people that I hear from, they want to point the finger so badly at somebody. They want, they want this group of people to be our villains. They want this person to be our villains and so forth. And in fairness, the same thing was going on you know, over the summer when the left was having a lot of protests and, and riots and so forth. Like it, it goes, it's on both sides. It's on, it's on both sides of the aisle that everybody wants a villain. We all, we all want a villain. We all want, uh, you know, I like to call it the evil guy with a white beard. We're all looking for evil guy with a white beard who is making our lives hard and, 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 and worse. There is no evil man with a white beard, my friends. There is no, there's no, there's no person that's doing that. It's us. Like the people who stormed the Capitol were regular people. They, they were regular folks who had jobs or didn't have jobs. They were not working from some, for some secret organization. And we like to come up with conspiracy theories in this country. We like to blame all sorts of things. You know, there's unknown powers controlling this. And I'm like, when are we going to wake up and see it's, it's us? We are the ones that are responsible for this. Yeah, so let me ask you this. Why, why do you think this happened? Since, you know, especially since the 2000s, our attention span and our capacity for intellectual thought has been declining. I, I've discussed on a previous podcast on this show that verbal IQ is falling. Our attention span is completely gone. And, and you and I have talked about this at great length. And it's no, it's no mystery that the smartphone has also kind of led us to, you know, even, even when I'm talking to people that I'm more closer with, I notice that the attention span just isn't there anymore. And if your ideas are long, complicated, and require a lot of back and forth, people deem you boring. They want to be entertained. They don't want long conversations. They don't want answers and questions that are nuanced and complicated. They want, they want videos that have flashy music that are five minutes long and give them the, you know, and give them instantaneous answers. They want, they want Milky Ways and they want Snickers bars to explain the entire world. And I'm like, that's not the answer. You're not going to get the answer to life's deepest problems through Milky Way candy bar five minute videos. It takes work. I was reading that in, you know, just this morning, I was reading that when they were coming up with solutions to the uh, election of 1876, which was another very uh, controversial election, there was a gentleman that was called in there who proudly had over 20,000 books in his personal library that he had read. So in the past, we had people that had read 20,000 books solving problems. They were the people that we looked to. They were the people that we thought wise. 
And today, that's not the case. We're not looking for the wise people. We're not looking for the well-read. We're looking for the most entertaining to solve our problems, not the wisest. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's um i think i think you hit it i think you hit it pretty hard on the nail um pretty pretty hard on the uh on the head there <laughs> um <laughs> i mean i was surprised when i heard i mean i came my friend picked me up from the airport yesterday night and he told me about what was going on and uh it was pretty surprising i mean i i wouldn't have imagined that such a thing would happen you know what i mean um but you had mentioned earlier, shortly before the podcast began, you said that, you know, um, that there's a, that America is becoming polarized. Yes. You know? And, um, and I, I want to ask, so why do you think that is? First question is, why do you think that is? And second is, okay, how do we depolarize America, if that's even possible? You know, that's a great question. This does harken back to a conversation that I had with Joe and maybe a few others, the first thing that you notice is going on, and this happens especially in the mid-2000s, all of these siloed internet communities, right? That just, you know, in, if we were back, if you and I, Kenny, were back in the year 1993, okay, we would all be reading the same newspapers. We would all be getting this very bland, neutral account of events. And mm. people are like, well, you know, that's kind of boring and so forth. But I'm like, it actually got you to critical th critically think. This one man that I, I listened to, he once said, never watch the news, read the news. Don't watch the news, read the news. Because when you actually read the news, you actually interact with it at a much higher level. And I think that our newspapers and our publications at that time had a much higher bar for what they printed. You know, they, they had they were able to kind of um, peer review, you know, these articles went through several different eyes, several different minds. And, you know, on one hand, yeah, it did kind of limit the flow of information and maybe things were suppressed and maybe things were censored um, that we didn't know about. And that's a travesty, right? But on the flip side, I think we've gone too far where now we have all of this Un, unfiltered information wildly competing for our attention, none of which, it, you know, I, I literally could, could right now write a blog and throw it out there on the internet. Would anyone read it? Probably not. But I have that potential to just throw more misinformation out there. So that's, that's the first problem as to why we're seeing polarization. But I also think that what's going hand in hand with these siloed communities is our diminished attention spans and diminished verbal ability for, for complicated and nuanced ideas. I'm seeing all of these articles that are written are getting at a lower and lower and lower and lower reading level. Very, very basic. And I think, I think Twitter is the ultimate culmination of it where you can write something with freaking broken grammar and get people to do what you want. And you know, it's, it's like a prime example. It's like, I would never, Kenny, in a million years, base my behavior off a few sentences. You would, you would, you know, I, I like to read not just one article. I like to read multiple articles and maybe a book before I make even like the slightest change in my life. <laughs> and maybe, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a, a turtle, but I can't imagine people making life changing decisions in their life because of a few freaking sentences that they read off the internet. That, that's insane to me. And I think this has to do with a, a decline in, and when, when I say decline in mental ability, none of this is biological. I think we are the same human beings from the 1800s or the 1700s. Biologically, we are maybe just a few inches taller, which is 
great, <laughs> but biologically we are the same human beings. I think that you're you're really seeing a, a decline in the 2000s. That's really, may, may, you know, I've read somewhere that it started in the 70s, but I think in the 2000s, we're not the same people mentally, and it has nothing to do with our DNA. It has everything to do with our behavior. Bloody wicked. So basically, what we're seeing here is, I mean, you had mentioned earlier that um, that the problem is not with the media. The problem is, it's the problem really has to do with us as individuals, right? I mean, um, I, I do think that the media could make better decisions and push us. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not absolving them like these but, CEOs, but as we discussed before, they're in it for money, right? So it's really hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to convince them otherwise. So, so they're they're in it for the almighty dollar. I mean, I still ascribe some level of guilt, but ultimately the guilt is on us. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, it seems as though you know, humans today find it find it much easier. Um, or should I say there, there's a there's a way we go about our daily lives that you know um, that we find it much easier to to behave in a way that we you know that we that we're seeing these days, um, and I agree with you that it, it's not it has very little to do with our genetics. It has very little to do with our mental capacity because I think we are still bloody smart. I think we are, we, I'm serious when it comes to doing, when it comes to doing all kinds of, uh, all kinds of horrible things, we're pretty good at it, you know? Um, but when it comes to doing good things, we're babes. So what then, you know, what, what would you tell, what would you tell if you're, if you're speaking to, you know, the, the left or the right, to a young American today, what would you, what would you tell them? I would tell them to honestly, you know, ask themselves, are they being the best version of themselves? This is, this is, this is where, and, and what does that mean? The best version of ourselves? Are you as intelligent as you could possibly be? Like, are, are you really, and when I say intelligent, I don't just mean like going to school and giving your teacher an apple and getting good yeah. grades. I mean, like, how much television are you watching? How much video games are you watching? Are you eating healthy? Are you taking measures to, like, I, I think exercise helps one regulate their emotions tremendously, right? Like if you, if you, if you have that, that outlet to, to physically exert yourself, you can regulate your emotions. And I think that these are all behaviors that we could start encouraging in our youth. Take care of your body, take care of what you're eating, Make sure that your media content is severely limited. Make sure that our cell phones are put away for several hours. They have, have rules where we're not reading. Make sure that we're going back to reading books. Make sure that when we're talking with somebody, we're silent for a few minutes and let the other person speak. Make sure that we're making eye contact. Make sure that you can repeat or reiterate the other person's argument, even if you disagree with them before you open up your trap. All of these are skills that we need to be teaching the youth so that they can best combat the negative influences. And, and the last thing I'll add to that is you need to suffer through something. You need to build up your threshold for what you find boring or you don't understand. This, the youth of today, Kenny, have no threshold for anything at all that they find to be boring or it lasts too long or they use big words that I don't understand. 
And we, we just need to kind of start shaming that out of people. Like we need to start saying, listen, man, you need to grow the hell up and you need to like watch that PBS documentary and you need to pick up that book. And if you don't know a word, if you don't know a word, you got to start Googling it and you got to start using a dictionary and start looking it up because right now the media and teachers and every, everyone is, let's make it more fun. Let's make it more easier. And don't you see what's happening? The more we make knowledge more fun, more interesting, more stimulating, and more uh, compacted into these like five minute little bits with flashy videos, the dumber we become. We become dumber the easier we make it. You know, if everyone is like, let's just say you're in gym class, right? And everyone is, let's say, morbidly obese. The answer is not to just lower expectations. The answer is to increase expectations to combat obesity. Why is it not the same idea with our minds? Like if our minds are too weak, don't make the media or don't make things easier, make them harder and hold people to that higher standard. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Would, would you say that, because um, I, I believe this, but I, I wanna hear what you think about this. I, would you say that you know the, um, the egalitarian mindset the American egalitarian mindset has anything to do with this? It might, in a sense. I, I think what it has more to do with, we're too comfortable in a way. We've been number one for too long. Because I think, for example, in, in World War II, Kenny, mm. we got our act together. We, we, were, we were still like an egalitarian nation, but we fundamentally got our act together and fundamentally said, hey, we got some serious problems, you know? you know, into boot camp you go. There's no there's no room to be funny. There's no room to be kind of flaky. There's no, oh, you want to watch TV all day? Well that's just too darn bad. So I think there's been times in our civil in our in our small history where we have gotten together and kind of made these sacrifices. I, I think when we say American egalitarianism, what that means is that we are we are all equals, right? We are all equals but with that, with that, you know, when we think of what Plato expects of us, like if we are all equals, well, if you are equal, then that comes with responsibility. Being an equal means that you need to be well-informed and that you have responsibility that accompanies that equal, you know, that, that comes with being equal. It's not just like, I'm equal, give me, give me, give me everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that I deserve like everyone else. What that means is that, okay, I am endowed with the ability to vote. Therefore, I, I is my duty as a citizen to be as well-informed and as well-read and as well, you know, on top of all of these issues as much as humanly possible so that I can actually be an engaged and productive citizen. So equality does not just mean that you get everything you want. It also means that you have to you have to perform a lot. And it means that you have a lot of duties and responsibilities. So now the question for you, what I want to know is, why do you think, um, why do you think this happened when it did? I mean, in 2021? Yeah. Um, is, is it, has this, has this just been, you know, is this just a boiling point? Or is this, you know, is this something that's been, you know, going on in a way that we just haven't um, noticed before and it's just all of a sudden we're seeing it for the first time you know mass media or is it is you know was this bound to come you know uh, and is and, and the second question now is is this just the beginning of something much worse coming along coming along uh, around the corner okay uh, that's a very good question 
I am a, an eternal optimist, even when it hurts me, <laughs> and an idealist, even even when it's. I'm a realist as well, but I, I at the end, I'm a realist along the journey, but at the end of the journey, I'm an idealist. And and here's how: some people will tell you, Kenny, that it was COVID that did this, and it was just oh, it was just all these bad coincidences, and there might be some truth in that. However, I, if it wasn't for COVID, it would have been something else. I think it was inevitable. I, I personally saw, as when I was a teenager, Kenny, I personally saw the culture around me deteriorating. Even, even as a teenager, I was keenly aware, and maybe I didn't do anything at that time, and maybe I was complicit in that as well. But, but I, saw, I saw my peers growing up reading less, playing more video games, playing PlayStation 2 or whatever, not, not really cultivating any any higher knowledge about them or not not having any values and and sort of in, engaging in, in recreational drugs and so forth and I, I think that this decline has been happening for at least the past 30 30 somewhat odd years you know yeah. um, even but I've I've seen it in my lifetime happening I, I've seen you know I, I've talked to people before where when I was younger, I actually think that uh, the teachers I had and the people that I experienced in the 1990s were more on top of it than than people are today. Mm. Um, so I think that this this was inevitable. It's an it, it, it's an it's inevitable decline, and, and it comes from like not being aware of the problem, right? Like for example, imagine you have somebody that has diabetes, and mm. they don't know that diabetes is is Perhaps one of the reasons someone develops diabetes is by being overweight, right? If no one tells that person you have diabetes as a result of your eating habits, well, then they will continue to suffer with diabetes. And I think the same thing is going on with America today. We know that there's a problem. Like, obviously, we know that there's a problem in, in, the, in, in, in how we're talking to one another and how we're communicating and how we're behaving. But no, no doctor, no philosophical doctor has come along yet and actually pinpointed the problem. And, and, and that's what I'm precisely trying to do here is say that mm. the problem is, is, is decades now of degenerative rot, like, like not, not reading, not like subscribing to the lowest forms of entertainment humanly possible. That's the problem. That's the problem that's causing our social diabetes right now. Just like, just like diabetes is caused by constantly eating candy bars and eating sugar. It's the same thing with our minds. If you're constantly eating sugar, sugar entertainment, well, your, your, your mind is going to start to corrode. And that's precisely what's happening. That's exactly the ailment that we're all suffering from right now. Is America is America ready for a change? Is America ready for, for you know? I mean, we like you said earlier, we all know that there's a problem. It's obvious that there's mm -hmm. something going on. Even if we can't pinpoint, you know, exactly what the problem is, we we know that. I know this when I sees it. We know that there's something <laughs> wrong. You know, when when you have when you have a you know a a, a group of people storming your Capitol building and demanding you know basically holding the nation ransom and you, you it doesn't it's not normal i mean the the world is looking at america and saying okay <laughs> this i mean america used to be still is honestly if we're honest with, it still is the symbol of democracy and to see this to see these things happen I'm, I'm not even saying that this is the biggest deal because this is as far as i can see this is this has been you know 
there's there's been there's there, there has been infighting and and you know and um backlashes here and there for the past few years but is america ready for a change is america ready to put up you know put on its big boy pants and 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 fix things i i think that one of the reasons that you know we had the capital and and this was something very shameful like all the other countries have been saying like, oh my God, we feel so bad for America. It's it's a shame what's going on there. If you look at those other countries, what do you notice that they have? They have better education systems. They have standards. They have teachers that discipline the students when they act up. They make sure that their children become well-adjusted adults that have manners and know how to act in polite society. That's why they don't have people storming their capital because they, they have systems in place that make sure that when you graduate from 12th grade or from high school, even if you're not going on to university, let's say, let's say you're not gonna become like some scholar or whatever, at the very least, they teach you how to be a French citizen. They teach you how to be a German citizen. They teach you how to be a citizen of your respective country with at least dignity, class, and a basic level of understanding. So the citizens know that you don't storm a capital. If we are on, now, what this requires is America, in order to answer your question, are we ready to put our big boy pants on? America needs to realize that one, we are slipping, like we're probably not number one anymore. And if we are number one, it won't be for much longer. We have to be aware of that. We have to be aware. It's like, it's like the guy who's like gaining weight on vacation. I'm not, I'm not gaining any weight. It's like, no, no, yes, you are, sir. Put away the chocolate cake. It's the same. <laughs> it's precisely the same thing with America right now. We know yeah. that we're slipping. And the way that we can do this is by just simply looking at Canada, looking at other countries and being like, well, hey, they don't have people storming their capital. Hey, they don't have this intense uh, level of polarization, at least to the degree of America. And what is what is the variable that's causing them to behave and what's causing them to function is education. Okay. And and that's that's the variable that that's essentially causing those countries to perform and behave and function and us to not. So to you know, again, to answer your question for the for the second time. It's if we can be honest with ourselves, if we can be honest with ourselves and maybe yeah, maybe the six will be a wake up call. Like, hey man, we've lost it. Let's, 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 let's fix what's wrong with us right now before it's too late. All right, well, I, 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 hope, I hope that would be the case. So I, how, how important do you think this is in the sense of, you know, is this really a big deal? I mean, every nation has its problems. Every, I mean, there's no perfect country. Yeah. And so, I mean, in some countries, it's corruption. In others, it's, you know, um, um, lack of interest, you know, um, infrastructure and education and so forth. But I mean, America has its own problems. So, I mean, and this is actually one of the big ones. But is it is it is it in the long run? Is it a big deal? Is it a big deal that people are this upset today? Is it a big deal that um, there's been a child? Trump is challenging you know, the election, the election outcome, is it a big deal that this polarization is, you know, um, really getting to the roots of ripping apart relationships and things like that? Aren't these things that will heal themselves naturally in the next 10 to 20 years? Absolutely not. And, and the reason why it won't is because it's never been about Trump. It's been people like Trump that are the problem. It's never, it's never about Trump himself. It's people that 
represent the lowest common denominator of thought. They're celebrities. They're popular. Again, there's so many dangerous celebrities that we have out there that have nothing going on upstairs, right? There's nothing, the Kardashians, whatever. If it's not Trump, it'll just be somebody like Trump who comes and takes power because they're using their appeal. They're, they're a great sports athlete. It could be some UFC fighter that comes and takes over. It doesn't matter who it is. The only way that we can safeguard from this happening, from, from, demi, from demigogues taking over, is if we ourselves are intelligent enough to be like, hmm, that person talks rather crudely. I don't really, but you know, I'm going to change the channel right now. Hmm, this person seems to talk really quickly, but doesn't offer a lot of answers. Hmm, this person doesn't seem to back up what they say with empirical data and facts. If we don't teach people to do that, it's only a matter of time before the next reality TV star or YouTuber takes over. It's just a matter of time. So my my issue is, is that on January 20th or whatever, the issue doesn't fully go away because if we don't correct the mental processes that are going on in our head, it's only a matter of time before the next demigod uh, rises to power. On the left or the, or the right for that matter. Yeah, and I think that's people don't understand that, you know, I think that both sides are capable of, you know, great destruction, both sides are capable capable of, I think it's, it's not about the size as much as it, it's about the individuals within the camps, right? And people love their camps. We love we love our camps so much. <laughs> we love to belong to, you know, we love to be, we, we belong to something and, um, and we defend it, we defend it violently. And um, even if even if our camp is wrong, and if we're wrong, it doesn't matter. We just don't like uh, we don't like losing to what we who we've already deemed to be the enemy. Um, so I think it's a very interesting time in American history, um, and I hope I hope things will uh, pan out pan out well. Um, so let me. What's what's your what's your vision? What what's what's your desire for? for your American brethren, for your, for your, for your fellow Americans? Well, one, all of them should start listening to Truth Island. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Make that money. (laughs) That that would be a great start. Um, But seriously, I think that we need to one, start, start all, we need to come to a consensus that this is precisely the problem. So we need to stop blaming lone actors and we stop we need to stop blaming groups of people and we need we need to fundamentally the first biggest thing is to start blaming ourselves. That's that's number 1. Take ownership over what happened each and every one of us. Um, and even even if people are you know, oh well that wasn't me, that was the other side. I'm like let's look at 2020. All sides are guilty at one whether it was the summer, whether it's the winter, all sides were guilty of some pretty heinous behavior at some point during 2020, early 2021. Let, let's just be real right now. All both sides are very guilty throughout the past, you know, 14 months, let's say, right? Because we're all guilty within that past 14 months of 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 you know, even if we were not out there, you know, breaking windows or whatever, you know, even just by not saying anything at all or just saying staying silent or or just kind of endorsing it in some way that's 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 guilt right there right even even your silence is is a form of guilt and i i I think that it's it's a sin of omission so i think the first thing we need to do is be like this is this is an american problem and it's 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 our it's our fault not once it's all of our faults it's all of our faults 
Once we do that, and we universally admit that this is all our fault, then is the exciting part, because then we can start talking about remedies. And I think a part of that remedy is, what are other countries doing that we can start stealing and start borrowing in order to, to fix our situation? Hmm, looks like they have a functioning school system. Hmm, they seem to have uh, strong family ties where children are respectful to parents and don't question a parent's authority, assuming, assuming the parent is not like drunk every day or doing anything ridiculous. But there's, 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 a, there's a hierarchical structure within the family where the parent, the father, the mother, they know best for the family and the children are subordinate to the parent. Again, I'm not saying we go back to like, you know, crazy spanking kids or doing anything nuts. What I am saying though, is that that hierarchy within the family must be restored ASAP. And then that hierarchy needs to be restored uh, within the school system in, 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 and, then, and then that can transfer to other spheres of life. It, it can, you know, it, it can, there are times for intelligent dissent. I think we talked a few episodes ago, like what if I disagree with my boss? And yes, there is, there are times where you can intelligently dissent that's the key word is intelligently and respectfully dissent with your superiors. And I being think that willing to take the punishments, being willing to take the punishment, you know, know that if I disagree with my boss, I will be fired. But the idea is, is that I'm doing it based on facts. I'm doing it based on logic. I'm coming prepared. I'm going to my boss's office, not with my emotions. I'm not going to my boss and my teacher with emotions and being like, oh, the, 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 the world is, you know, I'm coming there with like, hey, I, I noticed here that I got uh, an 86 and I, I did the calculations here. It looks like my GPA should be, you know, come, come prepared. I'm not saying be a doormat and just let the system completely control you. But at the same time, we need to start teaching people to be sub subordinate again, but at the same time, respectful if they do have a legitimate grievance. And I think that's, that's a fair place to start. The other thing that we need to start doing, and this is, this is where the media has a role and I know they like making money, but if they can, kind of get on board with starting to entertain intel. Like I want to see more documentaries. I want to see more uh, biopics on scientists. I want to see more, I want to see more film, more interest, more uh, curiosity being built about science, about literature. There's so many fascinating figures that we have from our history and from present day that never get talked about. Um, we could make documentary, we could make something about Tesla. I mean, just, the, the figures are endless. And yet we still keep making all of this media that focuses on the lowest common denominator people like the Kardashians and so forth and not the brilliant people who are actually pushing society forward. And the way that we do that is we teach people, no, 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 those people are trashy. Let's turn off the television right now and watch this other program about uh, this you know, revolutionary scientist who lived in the 1600s. That's how we do that. I think it starts with the family and then those values are enshrined in the school system. Mm, the system. And, and then, and then we can, and then it, then it bleeds into the larger society. Because if we have really educated people, they're, they're not gonna have, the, when they watch the Kardashians or they watch some stupid reality show, they're gonna get bored. We need to create a, like, like Donald Trump became famous with the show, The Apprentice. If we were more intelligent, if we were a more well-read society, we would have found that show boring and been like, huh, this is trite and cliche. Uh, let me change the channel to National Geographic. And that would have been the end of the story. But because our minds were so soft, that's what allowed us to be taken in. 
bloody wicked. Bloody. <laughs> okay, so here, here's you. You asked me this question at the beginning. You asked me something along the lines of, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, do I believe that people can change, change for the better? Yeah. Um, what? How would you answer that? What? What? What would be your answer to that question? I I think that it's hard to change individual people, and here's why: because everyone follows what everyone else is doing, right? So if I just beg people, please stop, but they're like everyone Kenny in this world is following what they think society wants of them. And if society wants them to be stupid, well, that's what they're going to be. So my my answer to this is that I don't think that stupidity is ingrained in our nature because other countries are doing a better job at cultivating human potential. So the fact that other countries are able to have a more educated citizenry gives me hope that you know, it is possible. If one country was able to go to the moon, then that means other countries are also able to go to the moon. It's possible. So I would say that we are capable of changing because if there were no other homo sapiens on this earth that were doing it, then then I would maybe give up and be like, all right, well, clearly every, every, every culture is in complete disorder and disarray. But the fact that other countries are doing something better gives me hope that, um, we are capable of much more. Like I have, I actually have that hope that we are capable of much more. Again, I, I, I think where it comes down to is that it's, it's a combination of bottom up and top up as well. Like I'm, I'm doing everything in my power by creating this podcast and actively calling my friends, reaching out to them, imploring them to become, to, to get involved in some, in something, write an article, uh, start a film project, start um, writing that novel that they've been putting off, or, or, or just even calling people and having conversations with them. I, I post this stuff on my Facebook all the time. You know, I, I try and put inspirational quotes. I try and ask thought-provoking questions. I'm a part of, you know, several philosophical communities on Facebook where I'm constantly asking tough questions and I'm answering people's questions as well. And I and I don't engage with trolls. You know, if someone says, you know, go f yourself or whatever, I just politely ignore them or whatever. And what that is is that I'm showing them that I will not roll down in the mud with you, sir. Like I don't care. Like I I like I'm up here and and let's let's get let's get up there so i think that that's something that we all have in our power and within our capacity is to start reaching out to people in our immediate circle and start talking to them and hopefully then we can generate enough interest to create some more top-down changes so now um if uh let's say that's as as, as things progress this year um the hope is that I mean I don't know that things are not going to be uh, as they as they are. Who who knows from from what I'm hearing, uh, um, there's predictions that it might get worse. But as things progress this year, and the Biden presidency takes over, mm-hmm. um, what do you what do you suspect would be the case? Do you think that um, you know people are going to take you know calm down and just you know get into the flow of things? Or do you think there's going to be a uh, a, a a backlash and a, and a and a rise up against that? I think I think what will happen initially is we'll initially celebrate a new president. We're going to celebrate the vaccine. We're going to go crazy over the vaccine. Oh, everything's back to normal now, and so forth. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to get. There's going to be a. We're going to have a period of what we call like false recovery or false comfort, but. I, I want to point to people out there that there's been a lot of businesses that have closed down, 
a lot of businesses that have gone under a lot of fortunes that have been completely ravaged. If you think that the economy is just going to magically, you know, like a circus tent, just re you know, prop up again, everything's going to go back to being a carnival, you're sadly mistaken. So I think we have a lot of issues on the on the horizon here, you know, just because the vaccine comes out just because we have a new president, there might still be a lot of unforeseen economic circumstances that still put people in some pretty dire straits. And I think that that will lead them to become cynical again, and that will lead them to start appealing to the lowest common denominator. Again, if it's not Trump, it'll be some, it will, it will be somebody else who comes along. And if you look at any culture, the worst thing that you can have, the, the one of the telltale signs that things are really going downhill quickly is your number of unemployed men, especially unemployed young men. The higher that number is, the more dangerous your society is becoming. Because um, the worst thing that any society can have is large numbers of young unemployed men because they have nothing to do. They're angry. Young men love to rebel. Love to rebel. They like to get into fights. They like to do all sorts of things that are not particularly good for society. And I think that if that is not properly utilized, if that falls into the, if that energy and that potential falls into the hands of the, into the wrong hands, well, then we're royally screwed, my friend, you know? <laughs> and, and I think, I think that the, the capital is an example of that. That's an example of you have young men who have not been cultivated. I mean, there were some women as well that were involved, but you have large amounts of young men that are not properly motivated, not being utilized and have not had their intellect being properly cured, you know, being properly cultivated. I mean, I, I was having a conversation with a, a friend of mine actually in Philadelphia. Sure. And uh, he was asking me a question along the lines of, uh, um, do I, you know, what would I, what do I, what I think the best system of governments is? And I told him, listen, first of all, I think that all governments is bollocks, but you know, the, <laughs> it's, it's basically for me, it's the best, the best of, you know, the best of many devils, right? So I want to, I want to see, I want to ask you not, not the same question, but a similar one along the lines of, you know, what do you think, because obviously politics plays such a huge role in people's lives. I mean, to the point of motivating people, you know, to actually take action like they did yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so I want to ask, you know, what do you think the place of politics is like in, in, the, in the everyday, in the everyday, in the everyday life, American life, two questions, what, what is it currently and what it ought to be? Sure. Very, you know, very hard questions, but, and I'll try and answer it to the best of my ability. What it is right now is a glorified power slash popularity contest. And, and that's, that's what I see it acting as now. I don't think it's actually fighting for any type of public good. I think it's just a question of like, I want to stay in power. I want to be popular. I want to be well-known. I want to create an image. I want to sell books even though people don't read books. <laughs> I, want, I, I want many likes on my Twitter. I want many yeah. YouTube view, views. I want, I want to be famous. I, I, I want to have um, sway. I want to have influence, right? So what we're seeing is a very classical power grab model of politics going on right yeah. now. Um, and, and it's all about, it's all about my late, it's about, it's about, you know, I, I talked about legacy. It's all about creating some some type of legacy. But mm. what we're what what politics should be in the in the way of what Plato envisions is it's a public. It's supposed to be a public service, 
and and that's what the argument that Socrates and Plato that Plato makes in the Republic is that ultimately politics is a public service. It should not be glorified work. It should be like I'm actually going to take some kind of vow of poverty, or I'm I I'm not going to be wealthy. I'm not going to be well known. In the past, you know, our, our politicians did not. Um, they they quietly made speeches in front of a few people like they weren't they didn't have this like pulpit of, of national attention on them at all times and they had a certain degree of like humility and maybe modesty to them i, I know that lincoln at the very least had a, a great deal of modesty about him and i think that that's the ultimate goal of politics is to be accountable public servants who are constantly asking themselves okay how am i going to make if you're a congressperson, how am I going to make the people of my state better? You know, same question for the senator on a larger scale. Same thing for a vice president, a president. How am I making people's lives better? Not how I'm making my life better, not how I'm becoming more popular, not 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 like my grandmother said something very wise. She's like, you know, don't trust people who just want to be liked. They're very dangerous. People who want to be liked are extremely dangerous people because they will do whatever it takes to continue being liked. And people say, oh, well, isn't that a good thing, man? Like, you know, this guy cares about us. I'm like, no, no, no. He wants to be liked. He doesn't actually care about you. It's two separate. He cares about himself. He cares about himself, right? It's two separate things. Being, being, being liked is not the same as actually caring about people because sometimes leaders actually have to make unpopular decisions, decisions that they will not be liked for, but they if they truly care about us, they're going to make those really rough decisions because they don't care about being liked. They care about making decisions that are best for us. And, you know, education is a great example. Like if you raise standards and increase discipline, you're going to be pretty darn unpopular. People are going to hate your guts. Like, look, look at the fascist tyrant telling us that we have to learn uh, calculus now, you know, like, like you're, you're going to be hated if you, try and pass laws or implement policies that are unfavorable. But if you actually care about human beings, you're gonna do it anyway, because you love you love us so much and you love what you do so much and you take pride in what you do. And you know that you know it may not happen right away, but in the long game, history is going to smile back upon you. Be like, whoa, that guy believed that every kid uh, you know, should read at a college level or that, that, that politician believed that we were all capable of working this or doing that. And that's, that's what it takes, man. Politics is about public service. And I don't know if it ever has been, but it should be. That's, that's, that, that, was the, that was the vision behind the Greeks, the, the inventors of democracy. That's what they envisioned democracy to be, as public service to us, our citizens. And we have fallen far, far away from that. I, I, I can see that. I mean, it's in it's incredible what human beings are capable of doing in the sense of um, you, you give a human being a, a noble idea, something brilliant and beautiful. And within a matter of minutes, weeks and day, days and weeks, he has figured out how to turn it, turn it for his own profit, turn it for his own benefit and turn it for his own popularity and his own, um, I would say, um, um, station in life. So it doesn't surprise me that, um, uh, it doesn't surprise me that this is the way politics goes, not just in America, I think it's in every nation. Mm-hmm. It's just a bit, you know, a bit, the 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 folly is a bit well hidden in America. Um, and and America, America has such a beautiful, has such a good working system that, you know, it, it 
the system doesn't really tolerate this kind of, at least doesn't tolerate the, the um, I would say the extreme dark side of this self-centered politics, but, um, but May, it's still there nonetheless. You know, I think though that it did a better job of not tolerating it in the past though. I, I think, I think if you yeah, look absolutely. at, you know, if you look at your president, you know, Eisenhower or whatever, you know, like I, I just have a, like looking at at interviews of Kennedy, looking at early, you know, interviews of LBJ. Okay, maybe they lost their cool privately. But when they were on camera, man, oh man, were they on point, you know? And, and if they weren't on point, people would call them out on it, you know? Like the American people would be like, oh my God, that man's a heathen. Do you hear the way he talks? You know, like, so I, I think at one time or another, yes, you were right. Like we were, we were extremely well-oiled, especially in the um, post-World War II landscape. Extremely well-oiled, yeah. extremely efficient. I think we're starting to lose a bit of that grease. Yeah, but, but here's the thing now. Back, there were, there were standards. There were certain standards back then that are looked at, looked at today as, you know, either um, old-fashioned, um, you know, um, bigotry, bigoted, or, you know, um, silly or stupid. So you find that we, we, in our modern times, modern day, we, we have very little standards because we, I think that we look down on standards. I think that we think that standards are somewhat unnecessary and it's, don't call me, don't call me Mr. Noli. That's my father. Another kind of thing. It's like, no, bruv, that's your Mr. Noli too. Your father's Mr. Noli, sure, but you're Mr. Noli as well. Mm -hmm. But we, we, we have that mindset that, you know, it's almost it's almost impolite or it's almost we've we've switched it around it's almost vulgar to have standards while um we the things some of the things we do today even good things i, I would say I, 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 you know would have been i sorry some of the things done yesterday good things done yesterday would be looked at today as um old fashioned and we need to you know progress and move ahead I, I've never in my in my time I've never called even if the professor said it was okay I've never called a professor anything other than professor I've never used their first name even if other students did it because I felt it was it's intrinsically wrong it's not right there is like it, it, when 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 you call a teacher or a professor by their first name that is that is a subtle way oh well it's not a big deal I'm like uh, yes it is because you are breaking your in a very subtle way, you're breaking the hierarchy. The hierarchy is now compromised as a result. And people know, Aaron, you're overreacting. I'm like, no, I'm not overreacting. It starts very subtle. It starts it at starts a very, with, yes. It, it starts very subtle. You know, another thing that we see is, okay, if you go to Mickey D's in your sweatpants, and I'm guilty, I, I'm, I'm guilty. I am guilty of walking around. Burn in hell, Aaron. Yeah, right. I am totally. <laughs> it, it is right now in New York. It is guilty. I'm guilty of wearing sweatpants, you know, outside in public and yeah. being very relaxed. But come on, man. When we go to a nice restaurant, let's make sure that we're dressed properly. When we go to work, let's let's have a nice like 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 let's wear some nice clothes that show that we're professionals and so forth like we, we literally have people that are earning six figure salaries and they're wearing street clothes to work and we can argue like we we can are oh they're artists or whatever and I, I i get it like i get but at the same time everything has a consequence now it's cool i think it's cool and relaxing that you get to like wear sweatpants or whatever 
but at a subtle level, the hierarchy kind of gets disrupted in, in this process in some way. And, and believe me, I, I'm saying this right now and I'm sitting in an undershirt and I, I, mm -hmm. I, totally, I totally see the irony in this. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that we need to start re-examining some of those things and, and start figuring out, well, geez, why did we have those things before? And if we got rid of them, what are the consequences? To think that they have no consequences, that people could now just come to work in jeans and so forth and call their professors by their first name. If we just think that those are small little things that don't matter, well, it turns out they actually do matter. Yeah, there was an old saying that goes along the lines. I don't know, I, I forget, I think it was G.K. Chesterton, but I, I'm not sure. Um, I heard it once from a, um, he, re, he died recently, just last year. He's a Christian apologist named Ravi Zacharias. Mm -hmm. He says, um, before you remove landmarks that your fathers put down, think long and hard why it was put up in the first place. And I think that's bloody brilliant and, and true too, because it's, he's not saying that, listen, you shouldn't take those landmarks down. He's just saying, make sure you understand where they were up in the first place. Yeah. Um, because some of them could have been there for your safeguard while others, you know, as the seasons and times change um, are no longer necessary, you know, because it's the wolves in this certain area are no longer there. So we don't need fences anymore or whatever it may be, but um, we might still have bears. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 I like the word that you used like safeguards. Like, I don't know that wearing a tie is going to make society safer. I, I don't know if that's going to make a difference. I can't honestly say that. But I think that these are the questions that we need to start asking ourselves of like, okay, what safeguards were there in the past that kind of brought the best in us? I think that's the question we want to ask is like, what safeguards brought the best in us? And how, how can we bring those safeguards back? And, you know, hey, maybe wearing a suit brought the best in people, you know, maybe it did. I, I can't say that for sure, but maybe maybe you felt important. Maybe that suit represented the distinguish between your home life and your work life. And maybe that maybe people needed that. Maybe that was a mental thing that was like highly important for them that like, okay, the way I act in this professional work environment, the language I use, cursing in the work environment, right? Like using high levels, you know, profanity. Okay. If there's a huge deadline that was missed, okay. And you let out an F-bomb. All right, fine. It happens once in a while, you know, and we're all guilty of it. But if it's being done with like this, every other sentence, if there's a swear word, every other sentence being used, well, that's desecrating the, 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 the language. You're actually desecrating. That's graffiti of, of your language right there. You are desecrating the language, because instead of using more nuanced and refined words, you're now just inserting curse words as filler, right? People don't realize that, you know, the more like, again, it comes down to what the famous comedian Jerry Seinfeld said, a lot of comedians just put swear words into their comedy to fill to fill up space. It's just filling up space. It, it actually prevents you from doing the hard work of actually making a funnier joke or finding a better word to make your point come across. And that's, yeah. that's, that's all an example of what's going on in society is that we're, we're becoming too loose and we need to tighten up the belt. And it may get to a point, Kenny, where the belt is too tight and then we need to loosen up again. It's a pendulum, okay? It is a pendulum. I'm not saying that we need to go to this 
ultra like wearing black boots, you know, like going to bed, you know, go to bed at night in a tuxedo kind of world. <laughs> you know, there is yeah. a, there is a balance, but we got to start looking to the past for answers. And we, we got to start revitalizing some of these systems that made that made this nation function and brought out the best in us. And it's not going to the past is never going to be the present and it's never going to be the future. But we have to we have to start asking ourselves this, these questions. Kenny, thank you so much for asking me a lot of great questions here today. Oh, yeah, it was a bloody pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. This concludes the 104th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.